you're listening to an episode of the Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life podcast with your host, Kim Olver. This is Kim, and welcome to the 162nd episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. If you like today's episode, be sure to leave me a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and share with your friends on social media. Just don't forget to tag me at Olver International. Today, we're continuing the parenting conversation with Deborah Gilman. Dr. Gilman is a licensed psychologist, mediator, child specialist, coach, and national and international trainer and speaker on the topics of child development, trauma, and parenting. Dr. Gilman maintains both a clinical and forensic practice, providing individual, couples, and family therapies in addition to a myriad of forensic interventions, including parenting coordination, co-parenting therapy, parent coaching, mediation, and family interventions in which a child resists contact with their parent. Dr. Gilman has a special expertise working with children, adults, families, schools, businesses, communities, and other organizations impacted by trauma. Where is there not a place that's impacted by trauma, I would ask? Dr. Gilman obtained her doctorate, PhD, from Tulane University, having trained at premier pediatric settings, including a residency at John Hopkins Medical School, the Kennedy Krieger Institute, and three-year fellowship at Nationwide Children's Hospital at Iowa State University. Dr. Gilman is a recognized expert in pediatric mental health. She provides you, your children, and family a safe, supportive environment in which to learn more effective ways of managing confusing or upsetting emotional states and new ways of viewing and interacting with the world. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Deb. Thank you so much for having me. I am really happy to be here and to be talking about these important topics. Yeah, thanks so much. We really appreciate your expertise. How about if we start with you telling the audience just exactly what collaborative divorce is? Yeah, collaborative divorce is a great legal divorce process that allows couples to negotiate all the terms of their divorce without the need for the mudslinging or the fighting in court. Throughout the collaborative divorce, couples hire a team of experts to work alongside them, which includes their attorneys, a financial expert, and a neutral mental health expert. We all use our skills to come to the table, and we use techniques that are a combination of mediation and negotiation to reach agreements on the critical terms of divorce that most people have. For example, property and debt division, how they're going to parent their children, and how they're going to support both spouses in two homes. Oftentimes, when you're in the divorce process, it can be really difficult to feel like you have power and choice and the ability to think about the unique needs of your family. In the collaborative divorce, we allow the participants, the clients who are divorcing to really think about what is important for them. How do they get their needs met and something that works for their family? Families are so unique. We expect that a cookie cutter approach that the family courts are able to do isn't going to meet the needs of everybody in the family. This allows an expert to come in and maybe work on financial pieces that might be more complex and oftentimes the parenting pieces that are more complex as well. Wow, it sounds really nice. 
it would be wonderful if marriage was forever and happy, but I know that it isn't. And sometimes people do need to separate. And this sounds like an absolute no drama divorce, which I think many people would say they would really like that. Yes. And, you know, Kim, divorce is messy. We know that people experience intense feelings as they go through the grieving process that happens when you end a relationship. The good thing is when you have all of these experts around you and we're working as a team together, we're there to support the needs of the family and the needs of the spouses getting through this together. And it sort of lessens the trauma lessens the intensity of the emotions that are experienced. So you can resolve the pain and you can begin to envision a life moving forward. Oftentimes the court process can be so lengthy and there is so much bitterness that even happens during that process that it prolongs the grieving period. From a mental health perspective and as a psychologist, I have seen families have real true success stories coming out of this collaborative process and just individually as humans coming out of the process feeling much more confident that they're going to be able to start their new lives separate in a better place. That is such a beautiful thing. Do you work exclusively with collaborative divorce? I don't work exclusively with collaborative divorce. I also do mediation and I do work in the court setting as well. I work with a lot of families and children who are going through difficult divorces. So couples that are having challenges seeing eye to eye or making decisions for their children will be ordered oftentimes through the court to come and see me to try to work out with a neutral third party some of the challenges that they might be having related to the children and related to parenting in two homes. That is something that is absolutely complex. It is complicated to be parents living in one home, let alone separating into two homes. So oftentimes people will come to me in court and out of court to be able to work together for the benefit of their children. I also sometimes see families that are going through some extra challenging times where a child might be resisting contact with a parent. And that's another situation where the court would refer the family to come and see me and hopefully work through those difficult and painful experiences that have happened in the parent-child dynamic to allow the whole family system to move forward in a much healthier way. Sounds like the work you do is incredibly important and valuable to people who are going through this process. There's no question. Could you tell us what the actual process entails? Like what type of sessions do you have with whom and where are they held? In terms of the collaborative divorce process, I'll talk about that first a little bit. The whole team actually works together. And the nice thing about this is the meetings are usually held in the office of one of the professionals. Both attorneys, the financial professional and the mental health professional, who's a neutral facilitator of the meetings, are all sitting around together at the table. So when the couples come in, they're supported by everyone in the same place, at the same time, in the same room. Why that's important is that there's this real nice transparency of sharing information 
everybody hears things at the same time. And there's no gotcha moments where the attorneys or the financial professionals are trying to get one up on someone else. Everybody's working together. And the neutral facilitator or the coach in the process is there to make sure that everybody is following the collaborative process spirit, which is full transparency, full disclosure, understanding what's important to each person's needs and moving forward. Sometimes this can take two meetings. Sometimes this can take 10 meetings or more, depending on the complexity of what's happening with the family dynamics. When I'm working with families that are coming to me for co-parenting or for reunification therapy, that's me being with these people privately in my office, my therapy office. We also have the opportunity to do some of these things over Zoom or other telemedicine platforms. And so I'm working with families all together in different combinations. Sometimes I'm working with both parents. Sometimes I'm working with both parents and all the children. Sometimes it's one parent and one child, depending on where the family system is having its biggest challenges. The process, again, is so unique and so tailored to what is important for each family. And my assessment and my bond and rapport that I have with the family is instrumental in me trying to figure out where do we need to intervene to get everybody back on track and work for those win-win solutions that are going to help the family be able to move forward in whatever stage of the separation or divorce process that they're in. That's terrific. How is a child specialist different from a parent evaluator? That is such a great question. I get asked that a lot. When I'm acting as a child specialist, I am not diagnosing. I am not making any sort of recommendations or saying which parent is maybe more equipped. I'm not creating the parenting schedule. What I am doing is bringing the voice of the child into the room whether it's through psychoeducation and understanding of child development and what child's needs are at different stages, or if I'm talking directly to the children and bringing their concerns directly into a meeting, it's really focused on what the family needs from their own perceptions. So I am there to help them have rich discussions about what is important to the kids and the decisions that they make as co-parents, how they feel like they're going to impact the children. I'm not making the decision for them. I'm sort of feel like I lead them through it. And we think about as we go along, what's really important to the children. Research has identified certain aspects of coping and adjustment that are important to children as they go through separating from one home to two. So we'll talk about the physical space. How are the children handling living in a new home? Did the parents have to sell the marital residence? Are they living in two different homes? Even down to lighting and sheets and privacy, the physical space can be really important. We talk about how the children are enjoying time with each parent. What was the time like pre-separation and pre-divorce? What's the time like now? And how do the children cope and adjust with those transitions? We talk about just emotional space. How are the children feeling about the divorce? What are they expressing? Are they expressing any concerns related to their own emotional processing of what's going on between the mom and dad or the family? 
We also talk about psychological space. Sometimes children can really feed off the energy in the home. So they might absorb what's going on in the separation or divorce process. They might be worried for one parent or the other parent. So their psychological space is occupied with adult issues. So if that comes up, we have to talk through what we can do to buffer the children. We talk about the children's understanding of the divorce. I like to create a divorce story with my parents when I'm meeting with them. The divorce story is a neutral narrative that allows the parents to explain to the children what's happening in the family without there being a good guy or a bad guy, without placing blame, so that the children can just feel supported and loved by both parents. But sometimes children have heard things. Maybe they overhear someone talking to a support person or, or maybe someone's venting to a neighbor. If they have heard anything or they don't understand something that's going on, that's really important for mom and dad to come back and correct so that the children don't feel damaged in that process or feeling like they have to side with the parent. The other thing that we always want to assess for with children and families is how their communities are supporting them. What activities are they involved in? How can they continue to have their normal developmental trajectory? I often talk with children about what's school like for them, what sports are they in, and how can mom and dad help support them to continue to participate in those things that are important to them. And then finally, we really want to look at what supports they have. How are the siblings doing all together? What are the ages and stages of development in the siblings? Because those things can be very different in terms of parenting plans. And then we also want to understand how the extended family and rituals they have with the extended family might be impacting them. All of those things together, Kim, go into creating a parenting plan. How on a daily basis do the kids share time with each parent? How do holidays and vacations work? And then how are parents going to make decisions about sharing in activities and things that are important to allow the children to thrive through the divorce and separation? Wow, Dr. Deb, this just sounds so healthy. I just think only good things can come from this. And it seems like everybody should have a collaborative divorce. Can you imagine a time when it wouldn't be a good thing for someone to go through? There are some things that might be some red flags for going through a collaborative divorce. If people feel somehow unsafe being at the table with their spouse, they feel like they can't speak up. If there has been any interpersonal violence in the family, we certainly would want to assess for that. However, that doesn't mean that they cannot do a process. It would be that the team would have to work together and modify some of the things that we're doing to make sure that both parties felt like they could participate fully in the process and safely in the process. Someone has a severe mental health challenge, that might be another place where we want to make sure that we have the supports necessary to be able to make sure that they can participate fully and the other person can participate fully. That might mean partnering with their mental health provider or that they go into treatment and then come back to the table. And again, same thing with maybe substance use or abuse that is problematic. That would be another time where we want to make sure that there's some supports so that people could participate. None of those things I believe should necessarily disqualify you because I don't think the court is going to do anything to help support these families and keep you know, a safe container around them while they're going through another very difficult situation. What is so unique about having the collaborative process and especially having someone like me who's a psychologist who has a lot of this training to not only assess but to help get them to the right supports outside of this process is that I can talk with those people and send referrals and keep my finger on the pulse of what's going on in a very different way than it happens in court. 
What I tend to see happen in court with families who might have some of the challenges that I just mentioned is that they're either minimized or they're completely denied and then maybe even used against parents. And that doesn't help the family system in any way, shape or form. So what we can do in the collaborative divorce is put some parameters and some boundaries and some expectations to start the healing process in a very different way that ends up having a massively different transformation for these families than it would if they had to drag their stories through court in a very unhealthy way. That makes a lot of sense. How does a collaborative divorce minimize conflict for the parties involved? Collaborative divorce can minimize conflict because we can get to the issues that are down below, maybe some of those past hurts that happened in the relationship that have been unresolved. Although we're not doing therapy, we are going a little bit beneath the surface to understand why something is important to them or what has happened that makes this particular issue be something they're stuck on. And I usually say it's not about the thing that they're fighting about. There's something underneath it that we need to get to to try to resolve and facilitate some of that healing for the family. The other thing that's really helpful in lessening the conflict is that in the collaborative divorce process, we help facilitate conversation that gives people a different way of interacting. So we help to use I statements, The team actually models active listening skills, and we allow people to feel like they're heard. And we teach communication skills to a couple so that hopefully we break their habits that they got into during the divorce that were unhelpful, and we give them new ways of operating together. It's almost like putting training wheels on for this family as they have to realign their relationships to make decisions that are in the best interest of themselves moving forward and the best interest of their children. They have to speak for themselves at the table. We encourage that. So we empower them by giving them the skills that they need to do so when they're sitting around and trying to make decisions together. When they make a decision together that they see can meet both of their needs, they're looking for these win-win situations and these win-win agreements, and the team is fostering that, they come out feeling so much better because they were cooperating. They really integrated one another's interests to be able to come to a solution that really works for both of them and ends up working for the whole family. Oh, man, I love that. Are there other benefits for families and children of collaborative divorce that you haven't already mentioned? I think the biggest thing in collaborative divorce that is so unique is that there is that child specialist who is there as an advocate for the children involved. So we can assess the needs of the child right away. Being able to work with the family on the first day that they decide that they're going to separate before the kids even know to me feels like such a blessing because I am able to understand what they need to make sure that their kids are set on a trajectory or on a path that feels good for them, as good as divorce can feel, because it really doesn't always feel great. But being able to provide education and support from the very first day before the parents make all the mistakes allows for such a healthier coping and adjustment period for the entire family, but especially the children. I love, love, love that. I hate to do this, but we are coming to the end of our time. So I wanted to just check and see if there's anything you might want to add that we didn't already get to talk about. 
The biggest thing that I would say that's coming up right now is if you are a professional, there are a lot of training opportunities to get involved with the collaborative divorce movement. You certainly can reach out to me to find out how you can get involved in a basic training. Or if you already are a mediator or collaborative professional, we have a lot of advanced trainings that are happening. And I would say that one of the most impactful things I've ever done in my career is get into problem solving outside of the courtroom to help families move forward. So if you're interested, please get in touch with me. You can email me at deb at drdebgilman.com. You could Google me, find me on LinkedIn. I would love to talk with you and connect you with resources in your area so that you can get started. Beautiful. I really appreciate you joining us today, Dr. Deb. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me, Kim. It's been such a pleasure. It's all my pleasure. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and remember to leave a review and share with your connections on social media. I also hope you'll join me next week when I'll be concluding the parenting topic for this season with Mama Mindy Green. I'm looking forward to it. Talk with you then. This has been another thought-provoking episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. To listen to past episodes, please visit our website at lifeequalschoices.com or listen wherever you download your podcast. And don't forget, remember to subscribe.